Welcome to Faith News, a program of the flame. Hear news of Unitarian Universalism and other faiths and religious spiritual communities all around the world. Hear stories of hope, love, resilience, and some challenging and unpleasant conversations with myself, Roddy Biggs, and Joe Chapeau as we share the news of faith with you. Hello, friends, and welcome to the June 15th, 2021 edition of The News with Joe and Roddy. Roddy, how are you doing today, my friend? I am doing well. I am ready for GA to be over with so that I can actually go on vacation for the summer before starting seminary. There really are two types of GA party people. There are those who, like me, are like, I really look forward to it happening, and those who are like you are like, I can't wait till this is over. And I guess that third group that's not gone, but we don't talk about them. Yeah, folks, General Assembly is coming out real soon here. It's going to be awesome, but yeah, it's exhausting. Anyway, let's get into it. Our first story super briefly today is an update. If you're a prior listener of the show, the last time Roddy and I spoke, we uh, we talked about buildings. And one building we mentioned was the Unitarian Congregation in Yakima. Uh, can't remember is that New York, was it, Roddy? It's Somewhere Washington up. State. Washington, opposite side of the country, my bad. So in Washington State, they moved out of their congregation, and we found out recently that a Presbyterian church ended up moving into their building. In fact, very quickly, from what I can gather, they've started offering uh, services. And when I was reading the article, the thing that caught me that I wanted to ask you about briefly, Roddy, is is they wanted to, they they did this because their national organization had the resources and desire to plant a new congregation there. Apparently, they had eighty people meeting in a rented space already, and you know this just made me go like, man, what would it be like if our religion has or had or has currently you know the resources and will to start new congregations and if so like where would you want to do one yeah so there's actually not necessarily a organizational level of that yet but there are people who are doing church planting all across the country one of my good friends who actually just graduated from Meadville Lombard Theological where I'll be starting in the fall and is in the process of ordination is church planting in the rural hills of Tennessee where a congregation Mm. existed a hundred or so years ago kind of withered away to nothing disappeared and now there's a group about 60 that want it back they're doing that and working with the UA and other congregations in the East Tennessee area to get the support Another friend of mine, the Reverend Duncan Teague, who served as the intern minister at Tennessee Valley in the early 2000s, actually church planted a congregation in the historic black neighborhood of Atlanta a few years ago. Awesome. It's now grown to 100 or so members and they're looking for a building of their own because they've been renting space in a historic black museum 
and have frankly outgrown it in the last three or four years. So well, it's happening, and I think it's just going to continue to happen more and more and more. And it's on the UA's radar that maybe this is something that they need to invest money in. Okay, that I mean that makes me so happy to hear all of that, Roddy. And I think that would be the difference, like between the Presbyterian community and ours. Is they they the article implied there was you know some kind of capital building like fund resource that allows them to go out and purchase, you know buildings i have to remind myself though that like i live in san francisco so like every building here costs more than a million dollars whereas in yakima washington it probably did not cost close to a million well they're churches though so they can be pretty expensive it depends you know right so um but even then the idea of having that sort of capital fund to make this work easier like without because otherwise the communities have to like raise that capital but it takes see, a lot of work. That's one thing, though, that I think is really neat about the UA model of church planting, because the Presbyterian church is just like, we want it here, we're going to put it here, and they'll show up. But in UU spaces, the if a minister wants a community there, or if members of the community want a UU church there, they mobilize first, mm. get it, become that close-knit community, and then when it's there, it's there, and it's theirs. It's not oh, here's another Presbyterian church that opened in the area. But it's, here is the UU church that opened the area. I laid the groundwork. I gave Mm -hmm. the money. I gave resources. I was there every single day in meetings trying to make it happen. I was on the original steering team. My family did this and did this. So that's why you have so many stories of like third or fourth generation UUs whose family legacies are woven into the community because every UU congregation started from that very grassroots emergence, like we need this in our community and it wasn't just handed to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's like the difference between like evangelizing and missioning versus that really grassroots oriented process Cause like, you know, it's, this is the same story out here in San Francisco was people started meeting in a house and they right. rented a space in Union Square, which is our main commercial square. And then when that place became like too commercial, they moved out to what's now called Cathedral Hill, which is where like all the congregations moved to during the like late 19th century. So it's, yeah. I mean, I still think, you know, I'm definitely the organizer. Like, I still want, like, a nice big fund with a bunch of money in it to help this work. And definitely let's keep, you know, grassroots organizing them. Uh, Well, that's the good news. That's a good story to start us off on because, Roddy, we're going to really just dive deep into racism, basically, for the next two segments of our podcast. Um, and so, you know, trigger warning, content warning, like it's going to get pretty ugly what we're going to talk about here. Um, our next batch of stories, though, are all about signs, specifically three UU congregations that had signs vandalized. It won't surprise you to hear that all three of these signs said Black Lives Matter on them. So specifically, we have on G- the midnight on June 6th, the congregation in Elliott, I believe this is uh, Kirk, this is the Kirkwood, Missouri congregation, 
Uh, it's called the Elliot Unitarian Chapel. Their Black Lives Matter sign was vandalized. Um, apparently there was also, this is the third time the first incident began on May 7th. Uh, then over in Auburn, Alabama, not our, not the big Auburn church up in, um, Michigan, but the Alabama Auburn congregation, they had that, that UA kind of the rainbow sign that says, uh, it says like love is love and black lives matter, climate change, human, it's, 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 you've all seen it. I, you would recognize it in a heartbeat. So they have one of those signs out front and that was vandalized. And then finally, because like, it's not just the South, up in Massachusetts, you know, liberal, liberal, blue Massachusetts, they say, right? The, their Black Lives Matter sign was stolen. And, and this is just again, content warning folks, a noose was hung. So not just vandalism, theft, and an aggressive act of racism. Um, so, I want to ask Roddy, as the POC on on this two person team, how does that land? How does this all land for you, man? So, I want to say that I'm surprised, um, but I'm not. I know this kind of stuff happens all the time, and people seem to think, oh, it's never going to happen to my UU church. People in my community are different. But the fact of the matter is America is a racist, sexist, homophobic, misogynistic nation. And it happens. And it happens during Pride Month. It happens on Juneteenth. It happens in the middle of the winter holiday season. And until we see a real shift in American politics, American storytelling, and the narrative of the country, it's going to continue to happen. And people are going to continue to ignore it. People are going to continue to say, oh, well, that's an isolated event. Things are getting better, which in some places they are. But just because you use and live in a liberal faith tradition doesn't mean that this doesn't happen and honestly it means that it's going to happen more to UU churches because we put ourselves out there and we should and so I know the minister of the Auburn UU church Reverend Chris Rothschild and they are non-binary use they them pronouns are very unapologetic about it and when this happened they replaced the sign immediately and have said that if it happens again they'll replace it again and i'm sure that that's what the story is of all of these other uu congregations this is happening to i mean back i want to say it was last summer or maybe the summer before when the congregation had the car bomb go off near it and like destroyed the community the church and immediately the minister and i can't remember where that where it was at this time but this i can was, go back uh, and, it was up in minnesota it was related to the george floyd program. yeah it was at like that same time protests. but the minister essentially said 
you know what, the building was sacred, but the community is more sacred and they'll will follow another community will do something else. No one was harmed in our church. And so, yeah, the building's lost. Big deal. We'll rebuild. Or in that case, the sign was lost and the building was fine, I think. But I mean, like they had they had one of those like marquee signs that was like 20 feet off the ground. So, yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. just like it's going to continue to happen and you use are going to have to continue to show up even more than they already are and pass the eighth principle family. You know, yeah, I was going to say for myself, like, it's appalling and offensive. Unsurprising is, I mean, if you're if you are surprised by racism in this country, you are either a youth where you get a pass or you're sticking your head in the sand, basically. Uh, I'm not a pass, but, you know, I'm not going to expect my youth to understand everything. I certainly didn't when I was a young teenager. And I think, like you said, like... At least my take is the positive positive i don't know the thing i the thing i want to take away that leaves me empowered is like these signs make a difference because if people are so willing to go out and vandalize fucking excuse my language freaking you know faith buildings churches like there are undoubtedly people who aren't saying anything for that those signs actually mean something yeah. you know i I know it's like corporations deserve a ton of flack for their empty hollow, you know, pride marketing. And I do read stories about how people who for whom like seeing that on McDonald's Twitter feed actually makes a difference for them. Like that they know that company, you know, they may live in a place like Alabama. Great, great state, you know, great people there and incredible like white supremacy and knowing that mcdonald's or walmart's like yeah like where people are welcome it means it makes a difference and like you said i mean this is not an official endorsement by yarn but rodney and i are certainly of the eighth principle past now attitude um it's it's time folks and we got to keep doing the work i will say let's just try to like have i don't want to like, say fun but like what do you think if roddy if you were let's say roddy you're the senior minister of a congregation and you have been given an unlimited budget to make a sign like a black lives matter sign what would you do what could we do to make it unmessable undamageable unvandalizable any anything that comes to mind yeah so i'm actually not going to answer your question and Ooh. i'm going to completely flip it so uh -oh. if I am the senior minister of a congregation and have been giving, as you say, that unlimited budget, I'm not making and pardon my words, but a damn sign. I'm turning that money around and giving it to Black Lives, giving it to the organizations, mobilizing, putting out massive publications saying that this church supports Black Lives, that you are welcome here, that you are sacred here, that you are loved here, that the UUA has screwed you over time and time again. But in this church, you're welcome. And that money is going to the economic wage gap that Black and BIPOC people face. It's going to build housing that's affordable for them with no questions asked. It's going to Black homeless shelters. It's going to Black churches and Black schools. And the sign is the beginning. The sign is saying that we are committed to doing this work, 
But at the end of the day, the sign is just a sign on a building. And I know too many UU congregations that have that sign up that when you step inside, they are a white, racist, maybe not intentionally racist, but racist organization. And the sign should be the invitation to come in. And once you're in, you should see the values of that sign in the building. And so if I have them, if I had the unlimited resources as a senior minister of a congregation, I would be using it to put those values out in the community and to bring people in and to help and not be putting up a sign because a sign can be torn down. It can be replaced. Like, yeah, I'd have a sign up, but it'd be one of these $40, $45, dollars signs mm -hmm. that you can just replace over and over and over and over. And I would replace it every week if I had to, but the money would be going into the ministry of Black lives, queer lives, trans lives, BIPOC lives, all the lives that these signs embody. And that I would hope that we as you use are embodying by putting these signs up and that we're not just like, oh, look at me, I'm the UU church in the area and I have this sign up, kind of like you said, like corporate America mm -hmm. taking on pride. It's like, it means something, but it means more if like the organizations that actually partner with the Trevor Project or with GLAD or Lambda Liga or Glisten, who actually say, you know what, 40% of the sale of this is going back in. And we're also going to donate $100,000 because we can. And it's not just, oh, it's pride, come buy stuff and the money's going back into the pockets of the CEO. And so that's what I would do with it. Rod, you see, I, I was thinking we'd talk about, oh, let's make a, you know, let's make Black Lives Matter spelled out in like, like steel beams or something. Something that no matter how much you'd mess with it, like you couldn't take it down. But of course, folks, Roddy's the minister, so he has to give like the real answer. And I'm the I'm the joker who's like trying to have fun with racism over here. I'm so white. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> no, so I mean, uh, that's the thing. Like you can you can have fun with it because at the end of the day, like I said, that sign is the embodiment of who we are and who we strive to be. And so if you have the funds and the resources put up a new sign every week when it gets vandalized and then bring in all of these very strong black voices, queer voices into the community and help them. Don't just talk about doing the work, do the work, pass the eighth principle, live it, be a UU in the 22nd century, living in the 21st century. It's not that hard. Mm. I like that last thing he said, like, let's, let's, what is our, like, live as if our, you know, the, if we did all the work today, because if we, even if we did it all today, it would take generations for it to really truly like work, but live, live as if we've done all the work already and try to realize it today, something like that. Right. right. Well, thank you for such a, such a thoughtful response to my stupid question, Roddy. I like our dynamic, um, but let, let's just, we're going to wade even deeper into it, folks. Like I said, it's kind of a tough episode because we're going to switch over. The only non-UU um, religious story we're going to touch on today is sort of the main one going on. 
the Southern Baptist Convention is having their annual um, National Assembly. Uh, you know, we have General Assembly. The UU National Assembly is taking place a week after this recording. Um, so, you know, every religion does this, basically. And so the Southern Baptist Convention is meeting them. And um, I'm trying not to swear, but I have a, a pretty hard to describe it as anything other than a poop show of the highest caliber Roddy. I mean, it is a pretty disastrous situation for them because there is a real split going on in their religion, essentially between the conservative, like arch conservative, the hardcore conservative part of their religion and the moderate to liberal side. Uh, specifically, um, uh, they're essentially um, electing new leadership at this meeting, and there's a concerted campaign that used that called that describes that uses the slogan "Take the ship." Uh, they use pirate symbology and everything, and basically they want to install conservative leadership in charge of the uh, SBC, this Southern Baptist Convention, um, because they don't. They, <laughs> I don't even know if I really want to get into like they don't like critical race theory, which basically means they don't like to talk about how racism makes them uncomfortable is the kind of the short way I describe that. Um, and they don't want to investigate systemic sexual abuse within their religion. In fact, uh, separate related is that the executive committee who runs that denomination uh, rejected a request to do, do a system wide abuse inquiry. Uh, and Basically, the reason this is happening is that in 2008, half of the white Southern Baptists identified with the Republican Party. But in 2020, 2020, that number had jumped to 71%. So what we see here is the white part of, you know, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, which my understanding, Roddy, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, has very large, sizable numbers of of black people in their religion. Um, but the white part, it's gotten more race, it's gotten more conservative. And, and so they're trying to make it into their version of what they want white Southern baptism to be. And it's causing everyone else who doesn't agree with this, this white religion to jump ship. So first of all, Roddy, what are your, any thoughts you want to share? That was a lot right there. Yeah. So very messy. Um, the Southern Baptist Church has always been a very divided church. It's been one that's really hurt and oppressed a lot of queer, non-binary people, and it's going to continue to do so. But we also sometimes forget, like you said, like, you look at those numbers and it's like 71% in 2020 who are white identifying Southern Baptist side with Republicans. And as you mentioned, there are a very high number of black, of African-American, of BIPOC people also involved in Southern Baptist churches. But a lot of them are also very conservative individuals. But then on the flip side of that, you also have Martin Luther King Jr., 
who we sometimes forget was a Southern Baptist minister. Right. <laughs> and right. look at what he did. Ugh. But he was still a, by today's standards, would be a moderate conservative. Kind of makes your head spin, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, <sighs> I don't think, and like, this is kind of real to say, but I'm not sure if MLK would feel comfortable in UU spaces now, even though he gave the rail lecture in the 60s, because our values have evolved and changed and turned into so much that MLK did a lot, but he was also, if you go back and look at a lot of his readings and writings and the work that he did, it was very once, it was very centered on black blackness, on racism. And now our understanding of black lives and of racism is seen as an intersectional approach thanks to Kimberly Crenshaw who came up with intersectionality. So like when I think of black lives, I immediately think of queer lives. I think of black trans women who are murdered at alarming rates. I think of this UU side with love campaign. I think of racial justice and gender inequality of pay gaps, of women's rights, of women's health, because it's all connected in. And those so many facets of it all that can get back to like what the segment was actually about was the Southern Baptist Church. And it's like, when you're stuck in a conventional mindset of thinking, whether it's with the best intentions at heart or to take back the ship, there's no real avenue for change or for new perspective to come in. And so some amazing things can be done and have been done by the Southern Baptist Convention thanks to people like MLK. But imagine like what would have happened if MLK was a UU? Like how would that be completely different? <laughs> so very complicated things that are going on with the Southern Baptist Convention. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens moving forward. They're not the only ones that been, have been wrestling with big divides. The United Methodist Church has done the same and are still talking about it over LGBTQ issues. And yeah, it's definitely gonna be something worth following. So well, let's follow up on it. Another example would be like the Catholic Church is still wrestling with the idea of giving Joe Biden communion. I mean, you know, because he's an abortion rights supporter and there's a contingent within that community that wants to kick, basically wants to defrock him for, or that's all not the right term, but get, kick him out basically because he's not a quote unquote good enough Catholic to some, a proper Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that was fascinating. You mentioned to think about like, what if 
Martin Luther King was the EU. I don't want to dwell on that very long here, but, you know, we'd be a much bigger religion, I would argue, and we'd probably have a lot more conservatism within this religion, and it would look a lot different than what it looks like today. So, hmm. yes. well, best of luck to, you know, our moderate and you know the queer and allies and the people of color and and everyone who wants that religion to be a w much more welcoming space and for that matter you know our love to all of the um people of all the women and female identified and femme folks who are dealing with the fact that this religion the southern baptist convention doesn't uh want to investigate systemic sexual abuse within their religion you know we stand with you if you're listening all right <clears throat> all right roddy that was that was a lot folks i know but hey like that's this is this is religion in the 21st century these are the issues we're grappling with and so as usual i want to as is usual these days i want to end on a high note i want to end on something i want to end on some good news to kind of leave you all feeling happy in the world um even though you know i sandwich you know really it's a bad news sandwich um uh, but these next two stories are uh, both involve congregations supporting their local community um the the first one, this one, folks, this one's really awesome. Um, so a U congregation uh, partnered with a queer a queer organization, the Prairie Prairie Pride Co Coalition in Bloomington. Uh, where is this pl place? Because there's more than one Bloomington in the world. Uh, hold on, folks. So Prairie Pride Coalition and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Bloomington Normal, Illinois, uh, partnered together to open a gender expansive resource center. And specifically, they're offering free binders, gaffs, and shapers to people living in like what I let's see here, that's probably southern Illinois, I would guess. Uh yeah, sort of like central Illinois. So, um, I mean, this is look, folks. I'm a I identify as gender fluid and you know, like being gender expansive, being someone who likes to like defy gender norms. The idea of not just like an LGBTQ center, but one specifically for people who are exploring and and practicing uh, gender expansive expressions. This is amazing and an incredible example of like not just like do like a congregation doing something for the community, but doing it properly. They didn't just go out on their own and do this. They went and worked with an actual organization that is representative of this community and supported them in what they needed and then any thoughts on that roddy yeah i mean that's kind of the example that i was saying when you asked the question about the unlimited resources if i was the city minister of a congregation and money to make a black lives matter sign it's like that's one way to do it but what this congregation is doing and what i would hope all our congregations would do 
is to really go out in the community and say, hey, we want to do this thing. What's already out there that we can throw our love at, that we can throw our finances at, our volunteer power at, our commitment and passion to social justice at, instead of saying, oh no, like this UU community is going to create something even though we don't, it's like I think about boards who come in and like do all of this work for trans rights and there's not a trans person on the board. Mm. Or Autism Speaks, which is a organization that talk, talks about autism, but they've come under fire for years and people in the autistic community say that they don't represent them because there's not a trans or an autistic person in leadership. Mm, yeah. And so for a UU community that wants to do this work, find something in your area that's doing the work. And then if there's not something to put your time, your resources, your money behind, put the call out. Say, we want to open a queer youth center. Mm -hmm. parents of queer youth queer youth yourselves what do you need us to create for you but don't just do it don't just create something hoping that people will come mm -hmm. create it with intention give intention into what you're giving with show the plate partners i'm always telling congregations and in my work at my congregation that look at the month that it is June is a perfect time for Show the Plate to be a LGBTQ organization. October is a perfect time for an LGBTQ organization. Around the holidays is a perfect time to give back to a children's ministry. So really think about what it is that you're doing and how you're engaging with the community and what partnerships you're working with and how that lives your values, how it lives our seven principles, how it strives to realize the eighth and lives the eighth for the 87 plus congregations that have already adopted the eighth principle despite the UUA's best intentions, but <laughs> need to study the motor of black people and the hope that they've caused. Yeah. I mean, the other story we have here is the, the in Jamestown, New York, they have a garden that they're and they're using the produce from that garden and they're giving it to the Jamestown mobile market, which offers low cost, locally sourced produce to people. Um, and we we mentioned this because it's kind of related to the others the first story we just the story we just talked about and um, is it Garrick or Garrick Emily Garrick uh, who's on the yarn steering committee is the president of that congregation's board of directors and so we wanted to shout out Emily because you rock and you know this is again like it's not like you said it's we're not. Go, we're not just doing a thing because that's kind of been a lot of the problem is we just sort of do our own thing in isolation. No, like, no, go and be a part of the community that is your local local space. In fact, 
there's this, you know, Paul called Jones is often credited with like, you know, promoting the idea credited, excuse me, like just say she promotes the idea of like UUism as a community of communities that like, you know, we're all made and, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, like we're all made up of a variety of communities. Like I'm not just UU. Like I have a huge family that I'm a part of. They're not UU. I'm part of San Francisco. I'm born and raised fourth generation. So like go and become a community of communities. Go and participate and work with these other communities so they get empowered and grow. And guess what? You do that downstream effect probably people check out your church as a result you know like this is this is sustainable long-term membership development work here basically if because i'm the organizer so that's kind of where my mind ultimately goes it's like yeah there's all these immediate benefits that the local community gets and in the long run your congregation becomes relevant in a way that people are really interested in what it has to say and do so So that's some good feel good stuff. But this last thing here, um, we just wanted to share. This is a this is not a UU specific thing. I have no idea if any UUs were involved in this project. But uh, an album came out that describes itself as the first ever album dedicated to LGBTQIA plus youth of faith. It's called Serenade Songs for the Beloved. I've only listened, I only could listen to the song previews. Um, it's, you know, it, the style of music isn't particularly, it's not groundbreaking. It's your standard sort of modern uh, Christian cons- uh, style renditions of faith songs, a little poppy at times. Um, but all the songs are uh, queer friend, are about, queerness basically in fact one of the first songs on the list is called learning to love myself Uh, i think it's the first song on the album and it's very much about a queer person learning to love the fact that they're queer um and roddy any any anything you want to say about this yeah so i am one that loves this type of music and I might be UU, but I'm also a Christian in a UU sense of the word. Mm-hmm. So don't necessarily care or fully know if the Christian God exists or if that's really the point of Christianity. But Beloved Ari, who is the organization that's put this together, is a group of multiple Christian denominations that is rooted in queerness, in queer liberation and trans liberation. And I'm interested in checking out the music and seeing what it is. I hadn't seen heard about this and have been following them for quite a while. So I'm actually very interested in seeing this project that they've put together. I will say too that if you like me are a queer UU Christian adjacent person, that they also have a podcast app out for queer youth, for queer young adults that's available on Android and iOS. It's called Our Bible. And it's really just the same thing this album sounds like it is. Queer people talking about their experiences in faith 
what it means to them. And while they are a Christian organization, it's a very Unitarian Christianity. It's not the Christianity that has helped queer communities. So it's definitely something worth checking out if you are drawn to Christianity despite it hurting you. Yeah, like I'll just say, a I'm a I'm very pagan in my the theology and beliefs. Um, fairies are awesome. Yeah, I, I, this Bible app I just looked it up online. I mean, the front page says ditch toxic theology. So, like, clearly this is an organ. This is a, you know, it's a liberal religious organization, basically. And I guess that's a more classical use of the term liberal. It's very much mm -hmm. like free search. Even, you know, like the United Church of Christ is considered a liberal religion, even though it's explicitly Christian. Right. EUism is very unique in that, like, it really is about, like, you can be any particular faith and be in this space, and we're going to, like, do all of them. Right. So, though, yeah, folks, check it out if you want. Serenade, Songs for the Beloved. Maybe next time we get together, we'll actually have listened to the album and can give our thoughts on it. Although, frankly, I am not someone to talk to music about. I am terrible. Maybe we can get a guest, Roddy. Oh, let's, let's, let's think about that. But for now, folks, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I know we missed the last episode. I think we're going to take a summer break, but this is such a fun thing that Roddy and I get to do. And for the few people who listen to us, thank you so much. GA is coming up. Hope to see you there. Otherwise, have a great day, everyone. Bye.